A distributed denial-of-service attack in March against 40 sites affiliated with the South Korean government had similar characteristics to the 2009 Independence Day cyber attack against the U.S. federal government. But the latest botnet wasn't your father's distributed denial-of-service attack. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be speaking again with Phyllis Schneck, She's Chief Technology Officer for the Public Sector at Security Provider McAfee, which just completed an analysis of those attacks. Welcome, Phyllis. Thank you very much, Eric. It's a pleasure. And before we get into the lessons IT security managers should take from these attacks, please take a few moments to remind us about them and how and why they differed from one another. I think what we're looking at is a couple of things. There's a different landscape on the policy side, and there's a different landscape on the uh, technology side today. On the policy side, I think in the past few years, in the past couple of years, we've focused a lot of attention now on network resiliency. Instead of assuming that we can prevent attack, we focus very carefully on how we maintain running and maintain steady state, assuming that we could be attacked. If somebody wants something from our network, somebody wants to take us down or somebody wants to pull property. The other big difference in the past couple of years is that we've seen some very targeted threats from other nations exfiltrate intellectual property and cause other damage across the world, you know, from any country to any country to any kinds of systems. So I think the key difference in my mind between now and then is not so much the anatomy of an attack, but it's more what is the landscape. And a botnet to me right now is somewhat less serious in the threat spectrum than it might have been perceived in 2009. Did it seem that the South Korean attacks were masking other types of uh, intrusions? You know, it's, it's hard to identify, just like attribution is hard, it's hard to say what's masking what, but often we see in our data uh, that these large-scale bot attacks uh, do cause noise within the network that does tend to hide the uh, smaller footprint but much more targeted egregious threats. Uh, do we have any idea who initiated these attacks? So I don't want, I don't, I can't provide attribution on this call. Um, so again, the, what's in the data is in the data, but this kind of thing is much more, uh, I think, carefully studied as a symptom of what is happening now from many countries and targeting many countries and enterprises. Today we're seeing attacks used um, to pull information out or to cause damage to physical systems, much more than we saw just a few years ago, in which case it was just to create noise. So it's gone from sort of network uh, vandalism or disruption, if you will, to actually causing something to happen or causing uh, the attacker to get information that they shouldn't have, so creating uh, an outcome. I will add, though, when you use a botnet, really the, the motivation there is to prevent your target from being able to do business or to run. So a botnet is very much about many, many devices attacking you with traffic, and you can cause a backlog either in the pipe, in the bandwidth, or you can actually cause a backlog at the end where the machines can't handle all the traffic that's coming to it. But either way, and in the, in the word distributed denial of service means just that, distributed. You can have tens of thousands of machines pouring traffic at a much smaller source. Imagine all that converging. The idea there is either to cause noise, disruption, um, to send a message like we saw a few years ago in Estonia. Those attacks are typically not the very egregious, surgical, uh, well-reasoned, often nicely hidden attacks that have been used to exfiltrate intellectual property uh, or in the case of Stuxnet to show that a, a damage to a physical site could actually be caused. The analysis said that the South Korean attack employed different cryptographic algorithms than used in the 2009 incidents to deter analysis. How so, and what was the end result of that? 
that's that's an analysis tactic that's often used often to figure out where the attack came from. And there are two reasons that we would look at that. One is to better protect customers. If you can understand the source, uh, whether country or deeper of an actual event, you can better protect them uh, because you can understand what to look for and even reach out to independent, you know, individual customers within the, within even a certain sector or certain geography and say, we've been seeing this happen to others that are like you. You know, watch for this. The other way you can look at those algorithms is, first of all, who has that technology? Um, and secondly, are we seeing the same patterns? Um, so you can look at things like crypto or even the same uh, language choice, for example, that web browsers might have been set to. Um, so a lot of this is forensic symptoms, almost like you collect evidence at a crime site, and you might find you might liken that evidence to a crime site you saw a couple of weeks ago and track it to the same potential criminal. Um, that's very much the analysis that's used here. The analysis has also said it, there were interesting mistakes made by the actors involved. Uh, can you explain that? So at a high level, there's that old saying, crooks are stupid. Um, you know, you, you remember the old TV ads or the, the comedy act where they would talk about crooks that left too much behind in their tracks or they did it right in front of a video camera or they tried to rob a policeman. Um, many times with these attacks, they will leave a lot of evidence behind, and, and uh, whether inadvertently or not, it lets us know who they are. In some cases, it may be because they wanted us to know who they are. In other cases, it was just a mistake in execution. But either way, they've caused an event, uh, they've pulled back information, and at the very least, they have gone to the fundamental that we've talked about before. They have enabled another system that they don't own to execute their will or an instruction on that system and therefore allowed them to cause an action that, on a system that they don't own. So did the latest attack have these kinds of mistakes? When they, when, uh, when they leave evidence behind for us to find, that's a mistake. And you're saying they did leave evidence behind? I'm not going to comment beyond the report. Why should an information security officer at a government agency or a bank or a hospital care about this South Korean attack? Well, there are a number of reasons we all need to care about the many things that go across the Internet. Um, you know, first and foremost, when you're an officer of an enterprise where you're holding people's money or you're a large part of the infrastructure or a large piece of government operations, uh, your inability to execute your mission can cause harm to others, whether economic, uh, at a high end, or, or destruction, all the way to the low end of the spectrum from inconvenience. And, and because of our intersector dependency, you want to be certain that those networks are able to run and be resilient. So an attack like this says a couple of things. One, it says uh, bots are alive and well, and there are people out there that are still enjoying the idea that they can be targeted at a certain sector or a certain group on a certain day of the year that seems to be a, a, a desirable day for the attackers to do this. And if you're a security officer, you, you want to be watching for that. You want to have things like uh, equipment that's tied to a cyber immune system. Uh, for example, as we've talked about before, as McAfee's equipment is, which in our global threat intelligence, these bots, imagine looking at the entire weather map and seeing hot air all of a sudden be under cold air. You know when a storm's going to form, and you can put a big red storm watch box around that entire part of the country or the world where you're seeing that. But you also want to be able to take that notion of risk and look at the time of the year, the geo, the political atmosphere, and understand that atmosphere and be able to take that risk and portray that to the executive side or the financial side. It really looks at the corporate risk or the agency risk and elevate the notion of cyber risk to 
a corporate risk, even in an agency, so that you can you can get more buy-in to investment in protecting that. Any attack is another clue as to what's out there, and every network needs to be ready to run whether you're under attack or not. We have to be resilient, just like we have run-flat tires on certain cars, and airplanes can run on some fraction of the engines with, with which they're manufactured. Our networks need to be able to run while under attack because this is not going away, and most companies and agencies in the world, I'd argue, already have been compromised. Thanks, Phyllis. Thank you very much. I've been speaking with Phil Schneck, Chief Technology Officer, McAfee's Public Sector. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.